This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by Ambition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas and experience, and just as in season 1, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data the podcast season 2. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Simil Gupta who is an AI strategy and monetization advisor based in Sweden. So Simil, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks Kyle, thanks for having me. No, no problem at all. The pleasure is um is all ours. So look, really um really excited to have you. Um before we kind of jump straight into this obviously where we always ask our guests to start is to give themselves a, a brief introduction and i guess into their background and, and journey up until this point if uh, if you don't mind yeah sure sure of course so i'm basically originally from india and i you know trained as an uh, engineer uh, more in the instrumentation and you know control systems and uh, i've been working in the automotive industry with bosch uh, worked there as an automotive engineer for some time and then uh, Uh, decided that my heart lies more in the customer and market and that side of the industry so i you know proceeded uh, with my mba and then joined uh, bosch again this time in the business development role and that time the something was brewing in the industry it was iot and i was like okay wait a minute this we're talking about sensors talking about communication this all looks familiar because you know because of my background and uh, during my college i also worked on uh, machine learning and ai and fuzzy logic that kind of stuff back then things used to be really difficult uh, but then with the, with cloud and everything uh, things became a lot more easier and scalable so my introduction into this whole uh, ai or algorithmic business was it came from iot where i worked with several customers worked on opportunities worked in different countries 2017 i came to sweden and here i was leading the digital sales and business development for bosch and uh, uh, we realized that uh, the traditional models that we use for you know creating your doing our pricing during your commercial uh, commercialization uh, of the traditional production services that somehow doesn't work in the in the in the world of ai and the reason is that because in a traditional business you have more or less one uncertainty which is the product market fit so the assumption is that once you understand the problem that the customer is facing and if you think you have a technology to do that you are quite sure that you're going to create a product and sell it but ai is not that simple uh, you have three two additional uncertainties the first one is the the data problem fit as i call it so the data that you have right now or that you can collect how does that relate to the problem that you're trying to solve that's the first and the second level of uncertainty is then the model process fit how is the model that you're going to create is going to fit into your into your existing model because most existing processes are uh, they are not uh, they are they are very deterministic 
and uh, the AI models are inherently probabilistic. So the bottom, I mean, what I had to do was kind of go back into valuation, go back into economics, go back into the basics on which the the, the traditional models are built and kind of start the journey over there. So that's kind of, kind of how I ended up uh, becoming uh, getting into the data uh, AI modernization and commercialization. And from 19 onwards, I'm uh, having my own advisory where I support clients in the Nordics and in Europe, uh, helping them build digital production services, uh, commercialize their investments or uh, monetize their investments, you know, uh, help them with their digital strategy, stuff like that. So that's something which I've been doing. And uh, I'm quite passionate about algorithmic business, uh, as you might have seen over the last few weeks. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind, of, kind, of, kind of fun to be able to t- talk about that. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm I'm kind of really excited to jump into understanding how you go about doing your work because I think, as you know, right, yeah, most businesses are on this journey to trying to commercialize or monetize their data assets or their AI initiatives or whatever the case may be, and that seems to be quite a problem for a lot of organisation being yep. able to kind of put a tangible figure on yep. what these things are worth. Before we jump into that, though, just something I want to kind of understand, obviously, um, Data and AI Influencer of the Year 2021. Um, it's always a, a good accolade to have when that's the, yes. <laughs> the field that you work in. So talk us through where that's come from. Uh, very fortunate uh, to uh, have that. So I think um, the the initial kind of uh, work, I think, we started uh, with, uh, so I like to share. And uh, I am kind of, I'm, I'm kind of person who, I mean, I'm, I'm okay if I'm wrong. And I like, but, but I like to kind of keep my ideas forward. And uh, that's something that uh, started uh, in Nordics when we started talking, uh, you know, speaking in uh, Data Innovation Summit, uh, writing blogs, writing articles. And uh, we also have a community uh, where we call the Airplane Alliance. It's uh, open source. That means anybody can use the content that we co-create. Anybody can join it. And uh, we started kind of doing, uh, creating some awareness around these commercial topics. So commercialization of data and AI. So I think that was kind of the basis, uh, you know, I think why I got uh, uh, nominated. And then I think it's just uh, uh, my, the the people who probably have been following me or my friends and they were kind of, uh, they helped me with their votes. And uh, I think that's how it came into being. So yeah, it, it it it. I'm still trying to get get used to it, and uh, I remember very vividly that when I was actually I was actually eating my second course when my name was called, and I was kind of shocked. I went to the <laughs> stage and I forgot everything, and then I was shaking <laughs> for another hour. So yeah, it was quite cool to have this thing. But I think it's a more of an opportunity uh, to, to 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 showcase more, but also responsibility. You know, to kind of. Uh, uh, serve uh, the purpose of uh, that or serve uh, to the expectations that people uh, have. So I think yep. it's, it's, it's more, I, I see it more as a service and uh, as a duty more than uh, accolade. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, if you, if you look around any industry, but particularly ours, I think if you look at people that would be seen to be thought leaders, right, for want of a better word, they're typically people that are writing a lot of content and doing a lot of talks and giving away their knowledge and advice, right? And I think that's how often those people become known as thought leaders, right? So that makes makes perfect sense. 
not sure about thought reader i'll just say i am like publicly curious <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well look, let's jump into it then so i know obviously ai has become you know it's it's become a buzzword in the industry right every organization is looking at how they use data and analytics and but also you know ai is sexy right it's yeah, the, it's the yeah. kind of the, the the north star of you know where everybody every organization wants to get to um and how they can create a better business by utilizing ai but i guess not many businesses have, have actually done it or done it very well what why why what why is that in, in in your eyes give us kind of your your steer on on kind of where the the ai industry is within you know actually putting it into businesses and, and seeing success from it yep all right so um uh see when we started uh i think 2019 i shared a set of statistics everybody knows about it but that was time when ai implementation and deployment was a bit of a challenge. Uh, so we had statistics like 80% of the AI remained alchemy or 70% of the initiatives did not show any returns. This was 2019. I think uh, two years, uh, a lot has improved because the recent uh, report, which I have from New Vantage Point, they say the 77% uh, companies report that AI applications are in production. And mm-hmm. uh, 96% organizations, they say that they are already achieving outcomes from big data and AI. So that part is good. But what it has done at the same time is it has created uh, AI and algorithm as a new battleground. So the same report concluded saying that while there is a lot of AI models in production, only around 40% companies are actually competing based on analytics. Only around 40% companies are actually managing data as a business asset. Around 30% uh, are actually uh, experiencing transformation. So I think the technology bit of data and AI is to some extent, I think to a large extent salt, and there is enough practical guidance, there's enough resources which you can go and refer to. There's enough people uh, who can help you out with. But I think the new era where we are is is where we we have to start thinking of AI as a competitive, uh, as a business asset. I think that is one part which most companies are right now trying to figure it out. And uh, there is a difference in um, this. Actually, I I wrote yesterday. It was a very good point, uh, which uh, someone raised uh, that traditionally IT the last over two decades, uh, IT had become so operational that we do not remember why it was adopted in the first place. So people who do remember the business process reengineering two two or three decades ago, uh, when we were, everybody was trying to implement ERP for the first time, and they had a lot of processes which were non-standardized, and ERP was showing away. We said, you know what? Now you have standardized process, so you can do everything at scale. So the idea of uh, IT was to drive efficiency, uh, efficiency and cost effectiveness, and also build a lot of scale into the the uh, organization. Now, when you look at AI, we are actually at the same kind of a uh, uh, juncture. But this time, the what what's at stake uh, is our ability to handle agility, uh, basically respond to uncertainty. But also, uh, if you see the market, uh, uh, what I studied, what, what we studied in the traditional marketing, we said, okay, the segmentation used to be based on. Uh, we had some basic common criteria, so we had age, demographics, uh, geography, etc. You know. But now when you look at the features that we are able to generate from the data based on on, on online behavior, there are millions of segments. 
That means you need not be a player, like you don't have to be an HUL or a PNG or, or, or like, like one of these big companies who dominate a big segment, but you have a lot of small companies which dominate hundreds and thousands of small niche. So the competition itself has changed. The competition is no longer on large segments, but the competition is on much smaller segments, which are driven by lifestyle, which is driven by people's preferences. Everybody wants to have individualization. And I think this is the key. When we look at our journey from the from the sales era to marketing era to today, uh, era of personalization or hyper-personalization, um, what we see is that we were never uh, kind of restrained by creativity or want or need. The market was only constrained by our ability to deliver. Hmm. So human, everybody wants something different. And we want something different every minute of the day, every second of the day. So think about segmentation from that point. Every 7 billion people, you know, 24 hours, you know, that they are, uh, uh, you know, uh, with, so they actually have 7 billion into 24 potential segments, potential things that people could want every hour of the day. So that that's many that's the new marketplace now. So we want to capture that. You need to come up with a different strategy. IT is not going to help you there. So the question that is then, do you have the ability and capability to first of all identify those segments? Because you might, some of these segments are visible, some of the segments may not be visible to you, but you might have some data where you might discover. The second question is, do you have the ability to build something, build a value proposition for that segment? In a profitable way that 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 makes sense to the uh, the the person, but also to you. Third is, do you have the capability to deliver on that value proposition and and still make some uh, profit? So the question has completely changed because the market has changed, the competition has changed. I think that's where we are talking about algorithmic business. Mm. Maybe a long answer. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, that's um, it's really interesting because I think as as you know, right, me and you are connected on LinkedIn and often, you know, doing a lot of commenting on each other's posts and things like that. But I I speak about this an awful lot, but the 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 success of data analytics or AI projects now is, as you mentioned, no longer within the realms of technology. Like they're the things that we have kind of managed to master. We're really good at that. It's the whole changing of the mindset or, you know, culturally, how do we think about these things and that kind of seems like you're kind of creeping into that that realm there right you know as a as an industry we need to think about this differently which obviously is often the challenge right because humans whilst we may like to have new experiences and new things um we also probably don't like change right so so when you're asking people in an organization to do things differently or think about things differently that you know is often met with with resistance yeah. And the interesting thing, if you see across the industry, yeah, you know, we see that the incumbents are not being challenged by other incumbents or other large players. They're actually being challenged by smaller companies who dominate a niche. So suddenly you realize that, okay, I had this segmentation strategy. I had this customer strategy, but it doesn't work anymore because big companies, they don't know how to compete in a small niches. And that's what data AI is going to be about, in my mm. opinion. If I have to put it a very, very simple way. Yeah, yeah. Is that where you see the kind of main gaps and challenges now in terms of AI adoption, or is that something different? See, AI adoption is many things, uh, but I think this is one of the points that companies need to figure out a way to uh, detect new opportunities, 
basically uh, you know uh, anticipate new opportunities or new threats they need an ability to adapt themselves to able to, to be able to deliver on these and they also need to prepare kind of uh, be in a position to orchestrate their business strategies in a way where they can respond to it so the traditional structure that we have in the business is that uh, although, uh, let's understand in a very simple way the traditional erp system that that runs the business is that the best place for you to innovate and create let's say new uh, scenarios new products new operating models new billing models uh, that's the question i mean if you think it is then well go ahead that's, but but most companies they will realize that because it and erps were built around standardization that's what they do best if you want to be agile then you probably need a different system a different methodology that's what i'm saying uh, so ai adoption is for me is, is many things eventually it comes down to what you want and uh, what kind of operating model you want to have what kind of decision models you want to have what kind of segments you want to achieve what kind of services so it's it's many things mm-hmm. uh, that is something which we need to think about now that we see data and ai is more or less in production yeah yeah i mean they're really interesting stats right because i think there's probably a misconception you know if you think the amount of conversations i've had over the last few years but you know you get to this point where you talk about data science in production or ml in production or ai in production there's this kind of perception that there's not many businesses actually doing that but obviously those stats prove that's factually incorrect right there's a lot of businesses that have got this stuff into production it just seems to be how they extract some kind of commercial value from yes, that is still yes. is, is still the difficult piece right yeah, is over, over the last two years i think i think we have made a lot of progress with the, the whole hybrid working models and um there was disruption of course because of covid but i think companies managed to get 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 this piece right in my opinion a lot of companies they they feel that they're quite confident in putting these things in in production getting capturing value realizing delivering value that, that's a different uh, story altogether <laughs> mm-hmm. well talk us through that then so how do you like let's say you know you walk into a business and they're saying look we've got we've got some form of artificial intelligence it's in production we feel like we're on you know the right direction but still we're we're struggling to capture some you know we can't put a figure on this in terms of what it's worth what it's done the value that it's created what are the steps that you kind of try to get these businesses to think about without giving all of your trade secrets away obviously. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean i'm going to give it very very simple see i like to understand the value truly and when we when we understand value we don't want to look at i mean honestly i don't really maybe it's a strong but but i I, I don't really care what models uh, are built and what is in production. It's it comes down to, as a company, uh, you have a you have a brand recognition. You know, you have you have been in the industry for. I mean, because I usually work with traditional, very very kind of established companies. So you have been in the business around for a long time. There is an expectation that 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 customers have from you. Those expectations are still gonna hold. when you start delivering digital service and digital process services that's not going to change there are certain capabilities that you have built as a company over the last over the last few decades sometimes centuries sometimes a lot of you know very established companies you know those capabilities are are all you have those resources are all you have that you can play with so the question really is um what based on your position in the in the value chain based on your position in the market based on your your uh, brand recognition based on your value proposition based on your positioning based on a lot of other factors which are commercial in nature 
what are the white spaces that are available to you where so look at it from this way so there are some things that you could do on your own there are some things that you could do with your partners there are some things you could do with your customers and we start looking at the white spaces right we also look at i mean a lot of times custom, when we when come when you know companies look at customers they only look at customers the way they are but i say well the customer is also changing so do you want to cater to their current requirements or do you want to cater to their uh, next generation requirements where do you where do you see yourself right sometimes the whole industry structure is changing so the opportunities are not in big transformation projects in my opinion there there could be some for example when you are kind of digitalizing the entire finance of course there could be new players coming up which will have a lot more scale but for a lot of companies you might have a lot of opportunities in those micro niche segments that you can capture right now so if you are kind of very you you not not have to completely change your model from a product service based to outcome based but you can tweak portions components of that model and offer higher value but for that you need to understand what the value is and identifying the value identifying the value drivers identifying the value framework i think that is the the most kind of the basic groundwork that we need to understand what is value everybody has a because everybody has good understanding now what ai is but not everybody has the same understanding of what value is and value changes it changes it's it, it, value is 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 a very kind of a very fickle very subtle concept you know it it, depend, it depends upon how you select your frame yeah so that is usually my starting point i say okay what is what do you consider value for you in the next 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 two years or five years what your customers consider value then we start looking at okay this whatever technology you have created how does it fulfill or how does it uh, what serve, what purpose does it serve in this value creation yeah is there a need for it can you make money out of it do you are in, are you in a competitive position even to offer this service stuff like that i mean then we figure out okay what needs to be delivered so we start with the value we start then we go to decisions we start with uh, products and services then we go to models and what models can possibly power you so that's kind of a different way of thinking for a lot mm-hmm. of companies uh, but i think um, my experience is it helps you in two ways number one at any point of time you know what value you are creating and when you are not creating value that's something and the second thing is while while you work on agile most of companies are trying to build agile the value based framework helps us always point to that true north every week every day i can say even in fact i can do that every meeting that i have i i like to understand from my customer am i making sense am i adding value right so value for me is not some big destination that you're going to achieve value is all through your life cycle all all through the journey so value is the journey mm-hmm. yeah it's really interesting because i think and you've probably heard me say this many times on this podcast simil but i you know so many businesses set out on this journey because they felt that they should right they, yeah. they, everyone's talking about this and you it was almost uncool to to be seen not doing this stuff that yeah. they they started with effectively the wrong strategy in my opinion you know it was a case of as you said you talked us through there okay think about the value and then you can work out everything that needs to come in after that and the model was the last thing you touched upon there right yeah. but a lot of businesses now well okay there must be some value in here somewhere well let's I'll say well let's go and we'll build this model and then we'll see where it fits and we can see what we get out of that and i think that's how a lot of businesses approach this and you know i think that happens 
time and time again. How, how do you get to the point of getting business leaders to think about what value means to them? And I ask you this question, I can give you an example, right? We, we've been working with a business, really big brand name, looking to hire a data leader. And, and their requirements as it stands at the start was, we want someone to come in and get commercial value out of the data that we've got. We want this to be seen as data as an asset, but we we kind of don't know what we don't know, right? And that was yeah. the overarching. So I, I asked the same question. Okay, well, what, what would value mean to you? And they couldn't answer that question. So I said, well, how could I put anyone in front of you that, you know, how, how are you going to assess whether they're right for this job? Because yeah. you don't know what you want them to achieve, right? Yeah. And it seems like there's this kind of gap somewhere between, it's almost like this big picture thinking of, we've got all this data, we can do AI, we can get some value, but there's never really the thought, the, the, the steps in the process to actually understanding what value is or what that could even look like. How do you take businesses on that journey? Because it seems to me that's the thing that's missing the most. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, so again, two points here. First one is that um, a lot of time, the date, I mean, a lot of time we have this situation in companies. It's not out of, it's not because they want to do it. Um, but it's because that uh, most of the time it's being driven from the data and AI colleagues. So they are the ones who are actually taking the lead, who are identifying opportunities, and they are trying to pitch to the business. So uh, if, you, if, you, if you've seen mo- almost each of my talk, I start with the business leadership and business accountability. So the first step, in my opinion, is that the business leader have to understand that AI is not about technology. AI is about business because you're going to take some serious decisions about your business that are going to either make or break it. So that's the first part, I think, is to establish accountability. Um, good thing is in some of the companies now they are setting up the these kind of roles where you have either business solution owners or you have business uh, AI commercialization uh, leads, etc. So there is already a thinking going on. The second part is, which is a bit more difficult, is the definition of, you see, over the last, and I'm, I'm also speculating, I don't have data for this, but this is what I have observed, is the, the, the nature of the companies have not changed a lot over the last two decades. They've just been doing more of what they have been doing in the past, just doing it faster and in a more efficient way. And we com- and, and if we kind of compare that to the case studies that, that I see from the 90s and 80s, when everybody was in the market, the market was not established. The segments were kind of volatile. Everybody was trying to find a niche. Everybody was trying to find their ground. That is when a lot of work was done on the strategy. So I think that understanding of strategy and that thinking about we need to create something new or, or in a new way, that is lost because we have seen this two or three decades of calm. And now when suddenly the water starts bubbling uh, and, bo- and boiling, uh, I think business leaders are not able to really kind of calibrate themselves, how big or how small the threat is. Sometimes it could look like, okay, it's just a startup. What, what they can do. But then one month later, they get uh, one uh, $100 million funding and they're not so small anymore. <laughs> so they are, they're not the present a threat. So I think that strategy thinking is something, if you ask me honestly, I don't know how, how to 
how to really you know achieve a project but that is one of the reason why i am trying to focus on the strategic dimensions of around ai in my post to kind of explain and express this to business leaders that see this is something different you need to have a strategy you need to start thinking about how where you want to take your business ai is not going to solve your problem you don't even know what the problem is right now so i would have to answer your question but maybe <laughs> at this point i i really don't know i think yeah. what what we can do is to create awareness uh, we can create little bit uh, more uh, noise around this topic and hopefully some people would start taking notice and i think that is happening i think a few leaders when they what i've got feedback from my friends is that they have started thinking about okay yeah there is a strategy to it we never thought about this as a strategy topic so yeah, yeah. just thinking out loud here but do you do you think from a kind of a, a knowledge and understanding perspective that we've taken strides in the right direction in terms of actually what ai can do because i remember you know I had several conversations only a few years ago right where you'd get business leaders say well can we do ai on that because they just thought that was magically going to make whatever they were doing 10 times better and i'm sure it could have done in certain instances but you know there was obviously a big knowledge gap in terms of what they were doing and why they were doing it you know it was almost like we want to do what we're still doing now but we just can we put ai on top of that and somehow make that better right do yeah. you think that the industry has moved in the right direction since then uh honestly i don't think so um because i think that's the point and the the, the reason is this see we we have a lot of resources when it comes to how to build ai and i give this example of of the ferrari most people have heard heard it by now but let's say you ai let's say is a ferrari so you have a lot of smart people who can build a ferrari and you can get them you have a lot of smart people who can maintain and operate a ferrari right that's there but what do you want to do with the ferrari you know what is the value that you're going to see as a business investment if you want to do cross country or if you want to just buy groceries and probably it's not going to give you returns <laughs> but if you want to do racing with a ferrari then probably you're going to make a lot of money but the question is how many people do you have who know about racing how many people really know how to set up a pit stop how many people really know how to set up a team right that that's what it comes down to there is very little practical advice and guidance on how to race with a ferrari how to win races with a ferrari right that's what you're talking about that's the strategy that's the operating model that's the commercialization bit that's the pricing bit how you, how do you price an ai ai based offering yes i have this product i put ai on top of it what's the value now is it 10x is it 5x is it 2x is it 0.5x we don't know so that there is very little practical guidance and i think a lot of companies talk about we want to be an ai company or data company i don't understand what that means i often ask people to elaborate and explain so far i've not had a lot of luck with that we think about ai transformation good but uh, transform what into what do you think this is because we hear and see about you know these successful use cases and business leaders think oh well you know they're doing ai in quotation marks so we want to do ai to make sure that we don't get left behind or yeah, do you think that's what that, yeah part of that is fomo Uh, part of that is 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 fomo but i think part of that was also that very few people who are at the commercial you know angle they have not actually dealt with ai in the you know in a very kind of a practical way i'll tell you how i when i was doing when i was building my image uh, recognition model 
I we didn't have image in it. I struggled to get basic pictures or basic images, sample images to get to train my model. Right. So if you have not seen uh, what it takes to really put AI into production and into value, then you think of AI is a magic portion that you can put it and then suddenly it, it works, right? So I think that's the second part. Not many people have this hands-on experience. And the third part is I think a lot of companies are betting on people uh, who have got a lot of experience in running large IT projects. Uh, there are success stories in operating that, but how much of that is actually kind of transferable to AI? I'm not so sure. You can run a big transformation project because see, because trans IT projects are deterministic by nature because you're working on processes which are deterministic. You're working on methodology which are deterministic. AI, there is everything is everything is kind of uh, works on hypothesis and discovery. Traditional models, most of it, business models, they are built on the Tayloristic philosophies, which is plan based, right? You 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 plan for something. So, I. Uh, the, the, the sales will measure the demand and come up with a number. Operations will come up how much they can produce and they can come up with a number and then they will have this handshake in the SNOP meeting and that's the plan. And it doesn't matter whether you win or you lose, but that's how you go. AI doesn't work uh, that way. Now you need to start thinking about, okay, I have this requirement. I have this demand in this part. This is what I have in my capacity. How, how, how am I going to match this? AI is much more real time. There is there is not not much scope of planning as such. You have to execute. Mm -hmm. So then you need to think about agility, responsiveness, and new type of uh, distribution because that is how the big like Amazons of the world are making money. They are they are matching in real time. They are matching a demand, managing the demand, and they are match they're fulfilling this demand with the real time capacity. That's why they are successful. They don't. I mean, they're not into the plan based uh, operating model. They are into hypothesis-based operating model because they have built their complete cap capability in a way that they are that, that they can respond very quickly. They can scale very quickly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And obviously, your LinkedIn content talks a lot around you know algorithm uh, algorithmic business and algorithmic thinking and decision making and all of that type of stuff, which you started to touch upon earlier in the in the episode. Yeah. Talk talk us through that concept, kind of like you know high level. What is it? Why should businesses think like that as opposed to their traditional management way of thinking? Okay, yeah. So let me first start with a Gartner definition of algorithmic business. So Gartner defines algorithmic business as industrialized use of complex mathematical algorithms pivotal to driving improved business decisions or process automation for competitive differentiation. That's how the Gartner defines it. I like it, but I think this still kind of defines what business algorithms are rather than what an algorithmic business is. So I hmm. kind of came up with my own definition and I like to kind of, so what, how I define algorithmic business is it's the execution of highly automated business strategies based on dynamic data-driven policies in response to emergent or anticipated opportunities or threats in extremely short timeframes. And we're talking about timeframes which are in the orders of hours, days, or weeks, instead of the traditional timeframes or quarters of financial years that we have in traditional so hmm. time scales are very important in, in algorithmic business. Anticipation is very important in algorithmic business because you need to anticipate. The whole algorithmic business is built upon your ability to anticipate and uh, response. And you're no longer making the decisions. That's, that, that's the second difference. The, what, you, what you built 
is a policy. Hmm. The AI system is makes the decision based on those policies. Hmm. That's the there's a decoupling between yeah. the decision logic and the decision execution. Yeah. Do you think that causes kind of anxiety amongst business leaders, right? Because I guess the whole concept of data driven, right, is that it allows us to make better informed decision based on some actual facts and, and stats, right? But still the business leader theoretically is in control and they've got yeah. to pull the plug on that decision. Whereas what you're talking about there is actually the people with the knowledge set the policy and like this is how it works, but then you're effectively trusting a system to go and start doing this stuff for you. Is, is, is there something at play there? Yeah, I mean, I think it should give anxiety uh, because <laughs> what I'm talking about is not far-fetched. It's actually in production. I mean, if you see uh, most of the algorithmic business, when you look at trading, when you look at uh, e-commerce, when you look at banking, when you look at air, uh, airlines, you know, hotels, already there are industries who have adopted the algorithmic business models. And it's th then, then the question really is, what's your risk profile and what's your risk averseness, right? So there's one set of people who would say, okay, well, this, this is a real challenge for us. And uh, um, we don't stand a chance. Think about how, how what chance would uh, a person who has the manual, uh, like, let's say a, a manual trader or sole trader in the, in the stock market, what's the stand, what chance would they stand against an algorithm that can make decisions uh, very quickly, but who have a lot more data and context to make uh, those decisions, who have can process terabytes of data, you know? And so there's one set of leaders who will say, well, this is a real challenge and we need to do something about it. And there'll be other set of leaders, they will be there too, who say, well, it, it, it is not real. And I'm going to bury, uh, kind of dig a hole in the sand. I'm going to put my head there. I'm going <laughs> to uh, kind of uh, act as if it, it doesn't exist. So that's the, then, then the question, what kind of leader do you want to be? So do you want to take this add-on? And uh, because a lot of companies have shown that, that it works. A lot of companies have changed the business model. They find new opportunities. They find new operating models. They find new uh, segments and try to make it work, compete with these giants. Uh, others have also tried to kind of act as if they don't, it, it doesn't exist. So I think it comes down to that. It, it should give anxiety, I think. Mm. I would. I, if, I, if I was kind of leading a, a billion dollar enterprise and I have these kind of threats where I don't, not, I, I don't know, I don't understand that much, I would probably think about it yeah. every day. Mm. Yeah, very, very good points. Okay, so I guess what are, if you were, you know, when you go into a business, let's just say hypothetically speaking, what are the kind of key things that you advise organizations that they can do to kind of start on this journey to changing the way they think about this stuff and changing their operating model to kind of be successful and, and kind of, you know, commercially monetize AI? Yeah. Yeah, I think monetization, as I said, the, the, the first step is to understand what you want. So basically, you need, to, you need to redefine your arena, your competitive arena. First of all, you need to understand what, what factors are at play, what are the trends, how is the market shaping up, what are the new segments coming up. So you have to really understand the how the market is changing. And then build, I think, whether you, uh, whether you go for algorithmic business or not, you need to understand how the what the value framework looks like for your company. Every every company has a different value proposition and positioning in the market. 
So you need to have a value framework where you can encapsulate that. So I think that these two are something that they need to really common for everybody. Companies who want to then go for algorithmic business at some point of time, I think the first point that they should start looking at is start evaluating their current decision models. How are we making decisions right now, right? What lead times do we need to make decisions? What's our decision bandwidth? What kind of, what's our decision? What's the ability to handle complexity, right? So you have to start evaluating how we, our current decision model works, how much time it takes, how many levels it has to go through, what data we base it on. Do we have all the data or are we missing key data? If you're missing key data, how do we furnish it? Do we go, for, go, go to intuition or do we launch an investigation? I think that's 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 going to be the, the most important part. And then there is a need to productize the processes and capabilities because the way the, pro, the processes are built right now, it's built around what we call in, in maintenance and operations is called best operating point. So the business operates as the best operating point. So I told you about S&OP, right? The sales and the operations come together and say, hey, this is how much we're going to produce. This is how much we're going to sell. That's the best operating point. Entire ERP, entire model is kind of optimized around that. What if there are more than one operating points? How do you handle that? What if, what if there are different scenarios? What if there's a new set of customers who requires an, a delivery in a, in a certain different way? What if they want, let's say 10% customization, but you can potentially achieve 30% higher value, right? How are you going to handle those scenarios, right? So the, the way forward, in my opinion, is to start thinking about process as from, more from a way of doing things into a capability of handling set of uh, uncertainties or a set of capabilities. So once you start prioritizing capabilities, you will see, okay, what my true capability is? How much can I handle? What kind of deviation can I accept, right? That's, that would give you a lot of information. And then it's more about getting into discovery and segmentation, identifying opportunities from the data. Think about hypothesis uh, and really say, okay, let's say if a, if a data science team is coming up with we have discovered a new potential segment. What can you do about it? How do you? How can you commercialize that segment? I think that discovery and that experimentation needs to happen. The, the company need a process. They need to build scenarios and say what kind of scenarios are we profitable? What scenarios we are not profitable? And then you have to go into the operating model and the decision strategy and the business. That is all that comes later. And that is this is where if you see what, what I'm talking about in developing operating model or decision strategy is I think one key point that I think if you can take away is that it is not it's not a binary decision. AI is not a binary decision. There are different ways where you can have you can deploy AI. There are different maturity of AI systems that you can deploy. Right. I think that's what you have to. And we I think in the last post, you know, decision strategy, we, we spoke about two dimensions. One is the decision impact and decision efficiency. How big the decision uh, uh, space is, how many alternatives do you have, that and what is the time available to you to make decisions, that determines the decision efficiency. The decision impact is at what level? Uh, is, is it a financial impact that you're creating or is it a social impact you're creating? So you have dimensions already uh, established. And this is not something that, that I have invented. I'm just bringing it from the research papers and the research that has been done. So the knowledge exists. It's just a matter of start using it. Yeah. So yeah. that's I think that's how they could probably go, in my opinion. If if an organization and its leaders then look at this and go, okay, this you know algorithmic business operating model is is intriguing, is interesting. What are the kind of key steps to 
that roadmap of going on that journey specifically? Um, I think the roadmap is what I, I, I what I mentioned. So yeah. start with basically you start with evaluation first of all. That's the, 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 that's a key point. I need to start working on your processes, prioritize the process. You need to go and work on operating models. Uh, you know, go okay. go to what, what I mentioned right now. That is how I see most companies adopting it. Yeah, because so the, ro- the roadmap is the roadmap, right? It doesn't matter the which is, operate is, in the model. Yeah. Yes. Fine. Yeah. Operating model decision probably will come later. Yep. Once you start finding opportunities and segments and you say, okay, I have this here, which I can probably highlight, or maybe I can use, I'm not, I don't have the most, the best capability, but I could f- probably find a p- partner. So the operating model uh, decision, I think is quite late. We will yep. come uh, quite late in the dis- uh, in this uh, discussion. Fine. So I'm conscious of time, Samil, but I guess um, always a, a good place to try and end. Um, and I don't know if and what you might be able to share, but has there been any kind of success stories that, that you know of or that you've been involved with in terms of, you know, a business that's been on this journey and what they managed to, to do in terms of that commercial AI piece? So there have been successes in uh, limits, but the thing is most of these uh, topics, they need they need time. So you see, uh, and I, the way I like to quantify the value is at any given type of part of time. For example, when you're just looking at, at an opportunity and when you're doing, when you're just doing a, a white space analysis, right? Are you, are we able to quantify? So if we are able to quantify the value framework and if you're able to quantify and say, that is the value, how we can add, I think that is, I'll say the phase one success. Phase two success is, are we able to build a product or a service? So yes, there has been a lot of success in helping companies in different phases. But I think the biggest success I would contribute, uh, what I think is has been that in most of the companies I've worked with, now they're already kind of embracing that the, the, whole, the whole value-based hypothesis. I think that's the biggest success because I think if that point is clear and then if you're uh, comfort, comfortable, with uh, experimentation as a way of guiding. So every time you kind of uh, measure the value and then you create experiments to validate your hypothesis, if you're going with that in that path, I think that is the biggest success that you can have right now. What will happen commercially in the next two to three years or five years overall or, or, or lifetime of product service? That, I think that is still, I think we are quite early where we can already uh, you know pick out winners and losers. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I'm. There would be winners. I have some. I have my favorites. I I know there are companies who would win because they have the right attitude, but I think uh, it's, it's too early to tell that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting though, right? Because they're what you you know what you're concluding is that it's people that have the right attitude and the the right appetite to think about things differently that are probably going to win as opposed to you know, who's got the most capability to build the most perfect model, right? Yep, Which is yep. interesting. So, well, look, Samil, it's been a, a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time and Thank look forward so to uh, look forward to seeing how your journey unfolds over the next uh, over the next few years. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. 
If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Oh, my God.